Look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More than money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, and joining in, filling in for Dave Popowich. Thank God he's gone and you're here. <laughs> Rob, welcome to the show, my buddy. Thanks. You know, Good I'm looking forward to our first more than money session together. This is our first one together. This is your first one. This so is. you've done one with Dave. You've uh, you've got your you got your handle in now. Now we get to have some fun. So you've taken care of Mr. Serious, Mr. Boring. Now let's have some now fun on this show. Fun. Absolutely. Let's and we're, do it. We're going to have some fun on this show. We're going to talk about a few topics. Number one, um, what's the financial outlook for Canadians in 2022? There was an interesting survey coming out by Policy Me. They're talking about, you know, how Albertans look at things. Mm-hmm. We're a bit of a special province. We are. So let's find yeah. out why we're special. What's the financial outlook for 2022? We're also seeing that, you know, there, that fitness or health is a big concern as people age. And there are businesses out there that are now focusing on this new wave. And so it's going to be really cool to see um, what kind of businesses are out there what, when it comes to the healthcare and the fitness level of the 50 plus crowd. Um, what, what can you do out there? I think it's going to be interesting. I'm excited for that. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. You know, there's, there's also a topic that we're going to have is, you know, people like to have a bit of play money when they invest. Mm-hmm. They have their serious money and they have play money. And... How much money should you put in your play money? How, how should it work out? Like, what should you buy? Where do you get your information from? What is from? play money? Yep. What is play yeah. money, right? So, it, you know, it's not just all serious savings. People like to explore and have some fun with their money when it comes to investing or trading. So we're going to talk about that today, too. It's going to be awesome. Perfect. Now, the markets this week were um, very volatile. Very volatile. Number one issue, I would say, Rob, would be geopolitical, Russia, Ukraine on the forefront. Absolutely. It was very interesting from my perspective when you look at the headline news and how the market reacted. We found that the troops are now closer to Ukraine. Markets fall. Oh, no, the troops are backing up from Ukraine. Markets go up. Biden comes out and says, whoa, 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 we could have attack any day now. Markets fall. Like, how does a value of a company or a market change so quickly by just a rumor or something that's being said in the in in the news by a president that really people don't have confidence in already well you uh, i you saw it this week right the the geopolitical side of it had a huge factor and is usually a the market usually overreacts yeah more short term to the geopolitical events whether it's posturing before the market closes for a few days or not yeah it's been happening and then if you look at the energy prices as the conflict became Closer and closer to be a reality, the price of oil going up and up as they start to tend off. And it was interesting, especially Thursday, Friday, there was a bit of a divergence between the price of oil, the conflict, and what's happening in the market. So oil would drop because they think there's less of a, of a tension, but the market would fall too as we got closer to Friday on that. That was very interesting. So Plus demand news yeah. coming out, right? Yeah. So you're getting a whole bunch of different mixture of information. I think when you look at um, markets like this, what are some of the conversations you're having with clients, with listeners of the show about the volatility? What are they feeling? The, the feeling is how long, how long does this go on for, right? Mm-hmm. Are, are we at a wait and see pattern? What are we doing? 
Do we does this continue on through, or are we should we go to hundred percent cash, right? Yeah. So there's not. I wouldn't say there's a full sense of panic, right? But it's a sense of what actions can we take right now for volatility, for inflation, all of these items. We're going to be talking to a guest um, later on from Policy Me, who talks about the stress that Albertans are having. And um, in their report, I'm kind of teasing this as well, is there is a higher stress level for Albertans. Mm -hmm. And the definition of stress is not knowing what's going to happen in the future. So when you're talking about when clients or listeners of the show come out and say, hey, I'm worried, they're, they're really stressed because they don't know what's going to happen. And, and trying to predict the future, um, and you can't really figure out the outcome yet, causes a concern. You and I were having a conversation in your office, I think it was on Friday, um, where clients have, uh, were talking to you about, you know, the markets are not going up, they're not going down, they're just not going anywhere. There's no direction. You and I had this chat. We did. And I said, no direction is still a direction. Sideways. Sideways. Right? If there's no direction, it's going sideways. So it's still moving. There's still momentum. It's just in a sideways pattern. Right. So it's, it's interesting that people are looking for a result of either up or down, but sideways sounds like a like you're in purgatory or something, no? Yeah. Well, I think the other, you know, I think everyone's at a, a standstill with the pandemic on not fully being reopened yet. So there's there's more unknowns than than just looking at the market on a daily basis. There were all this wait and see, and I think people are tired of the wait and see. Do you think with the opening of the economy in this province will change the outlook of the future of people when they when they're able to do more, when they're able to get out more, when they're able to not worry about certain restrictions they had in the past, do you think that their outlook of the future will be different? Yeah, I do. I do. It, it, the sense of normal life will come back into it, that this isn't the new normal. Let's get back to our regular lives, being able to do things, right? Including working out and doing, going to the gym and, you know, doing... A restaurant. Restaurants. Without right. worrying about a QR code. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> hey, the mandate of staying at home versus going to the office, that's changing. Like these little changes that are happening, that, you know, if you get back to somewhat of your, of your old life, like remember our office, for, for, for at, the, at our office, we've got what, 15% capacity right mm. now. We're not even anywhere close to 50% or, and, and within a few months, we might be at 100% capacity. It's going to change. That's a different dynamic. It's going to feel like it used to. Mm-hmm. And will we forget about the quote-unquote pandemic restrictions and just get back to normal? And will we feel different or better about it? That's going to be very interesting to see. And that will translate to how people look at their portfolios, their future, their vision of their retirement. If things look interesting, and it's, it's, it's come across with a few clients that, oh, these markets are volatile and we're not able to go anywhere. It's all these restrictions. So retirement's hell. <laughs> right. You know, it's not, it's not a... Retirement, we'll, we'll get through this. I can't wait till this is over so we can start focusing on these 10 things that I want to do in my retirement. They just, they're focused on this one spot that they're in. And that kind of translates to how they look at their money, their finances, and so forth. So I'm interested to see how Albertans will react once the restrictions start to open up yeah. a bit more. I'm excited. Are you? I am, yeah. You get to do more than just ski. <laughs> That's it. That's it. With you know, masks. One thing I'm not looking forward to with more and more of an opening, that means Popovich will be in the office more, so that's going to oh. be kind of scary as well. <laughs> but, but it's going to be a, a very big change. But that's part of retirement. That's part of 
things to expect in the future, that one thing that's constant throughout retirement is change. Yep. Rob, you know, there's been a big difference between provinces for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Most people talk about the differences when it comes to the natural resources we have or the lifestyle or, or the mountains. Right. But let's talk about the differences in the financial stability or lack thereof. Alberta has some different numbers coming out. I'm going to throw one at you just so that you're, you're, we're on the, all on the same page. Albertans spend the highest proportion of their income for spending purposes versus savings. Albertans spend almost 82% of their, their income. The lowest, Ontario, at 78%. Shocking. Shocking. So let's yeah. get into this and find out what's the differences between these provinces, why the differences, and how it impacts the, uh, the viewers and listeners of the show. We've got Andrew Ostro, CEO, Policy Me. Uh, he is part of this entire survey and how they, they put all this information together. Andrew, thank you for joining us today. Great. Thanks for having me on the show. So we've, we've got some data that says Albertans are most concerned when it comes to their expenses. We just kind of teased in about the spending that we have. Tell us a bit more about the survey first, where, how this all came to be, and then give us some more details about, you know, what's so different about Alberta when it comes to how, what we're spending in our expenses? Yeah, so coming into 2022, we released a survey in partnership with Angus Reid. And the idea here was we were looking to really understand how Canadians are approaching 2022 from a financial perspective. What are they worried about? Are they worried about anything? How big of a concern is inflation? How are Canadians saving? Um, all these different elements that would help us understand where Canadians stand from a financial strength and a financial resiliency perspective coming into the new year. When you look at Alberta and, and the expenses that Alberta has, um, what are Albertans most concerned about? Yeah, so in general, we found that 42% 42 of Canadians were actually more financially stressed in 2021 than they were in the previous year. And that number was even higher for Albertans. Albertans had the highest out of any province, coming in at about 50%, which means about half the people said they are more stressed at the end of 2021 than they were at the beginning. And remember, 2020 wasn't all that great of a year either, right? This is obviously the beginning of the pandemic. There are a lot of concerns over the economy. So to see that big of a jump from one year to another was really quite concerning, especially seeing that the jump was bigger in Alberta versus other provinces. Yeah, I think it's it's fascinating that it was a bigger jump in, in this one, in, in this province, right? It, it caught me by surprise, Rob. Like when you look at, what, 50%, uh, we're the most stressed province out there? Yeah, weird. And with, Very interesting. Andrew, with our clients, you know, inflation is still on everyone's mind. What are some of the anticipated increased expenses as we continue through this year, 2022? Yeah, so, so for Albertans and, and even some of the other prairie provinces next door, um, we were seeing 70% of people saying they expect gas prices to rise in 2022. And again, that's after already significant rises in 2021. So gas prices were among the top. Groceries as well, another big one that we're seeing a lot of people concerned about over inflation. Um, credit card debt a little bit lower, rent a little bit lower as well, and, and mortgage interest rates low as well. Uh, but really, groceries and gas are the two biggest contributors to people's concerns over inflation. And just to dive in a little bit more into that, the comment around Albertans being the most stressed uh, out of any other province, I think when we dug a little bit deeper and looked into some of the other questions that we asked in the survey, some of this starts to come into light as to why maybe Albertans are, are facing uh, more of a concern. 
Um, so another question we, we looked at was, are people pulling money out of their savings? It was about 51% of Canadians are pulling money into their savings and investments to be able to pay for their expenses. But from Albertans, it was 56%. So not a huge amount higher, but definitely a little bit higher. And that is definitely gonna add towards stress, right? As you start to take away from your savings, take away from your investments to cover your expenses, there's no doubt that's gonna put more stress uh, from a financial perspective. Why do you think that is? What's so special about Alberta that we are higher stressed, we spend more money, we take money out of our savings at a higher rate than the other provinces. What makes Alberta so special? Yeah, I would say it's it's probably the dependency on the energy um, sector. I think that tends to be a, a quite volatile sector where you have a lot of ups and downs in terms of energy prices that greatly impact the economy specifically in that province. So. I think that's where anytime you have volatility, anytime you have, that's what leads to unknowns, right? The stress, financial stress is really, it's, it's a function of, do I not know what's coming? Can I plan ahead? And I think when you're dealing with an economy that's so heavily dependent on such a volatile priced uh, natural resource in, in that sector, it definitely increases uh, the stress related to your finances. That's a great point, Rob, that Andrew's making, because when we talk to Albertans um, about their future, their vision of their retirement, mm -hmm. they do bring about a home base bias saying, well, things are not doing great here in Alberta. So my retirement, so my retirement portfolio <laughs> right. is going to be a little bit different. I don't feel confident. I feel a bit more stressed, even if they're not in the industry. Like if everybody else around them is talking about how, how it's not going so great for us in the, in the patch, right? Um, there is a, there's a bit of a spillover feel. So it's more sentiment than it is fact. You know, that's, and I find yeah. that, that to be, you know, the anecdotal evidence now is matching the empirical evidence when it comes to what's really happening when it comes to fear and spending and saving and so forth when it comes to Albertans. I, I have the other thought too on, you know, does some of the thought come from other housing markets, right? Major Canadian centers, Vancouver, Toronto, we haven't moved as, as near as high as, as some of those. Has that created some... Uh, safety nets for some of those other Canadians. Yeah, Andrew, that's a good question. What about like when we compare ourselves up with our with the Joneses next door, like on, on the Vancouver or a Toronto? <laughs> uh, is there a bit of FOMO out there? Is there a bit of well, they're doing better, so we should do better as well? Yeah, it's interesting because when you talk about rising house prices, you can that can really go either way, right? If you're already a homeowner and you have that as an asset, you could definitely build the argument that there's some sort of safety net that says, okay, great. Prices are going up, uh, inflation is going up, but I have an asset here that's also increasing with that, uh, with other costs, which is somewhat of a hedge towards inflation. Um, and maybe, maybe in Alberta, people are looking and saying, "Well, we haven't really experienced that huge increase in in, uh, in housing." As it's still big, but not compared to maybe some of the other major cities, and that could be a form of, "Well, is my asset going to catch up to my spend?" But to turn that around a little bit, you can look at the other way where people who don't have houses yet, people who are in the rental market, people who are looking to buy that first home and aren't in the market are, are it's almost exasperated the fact that now you're dealing with, with um, a market, that a housing market that is just very difficult to enter into. So it's really hard to say where that plays in, but you can definitely uh, make the argument that that's having a big impact. You know, Andrew, we could spend another 10, 15, 20 minutes on this conversation about what makes Alberta so special and, and all the spending and so forth. And I think this is a very good report that you, you've put together. The survey that's come out, the questions that you guys have asked really identifies some of the key concerns 
throughout the entire population, not just one segment or another. So that, that really gives a good indicator on the sentiment of a, of a community like the province of Alberta. So I want to thank you for all the hard work you guys are doing. For sure. Uh, yeah, it's our, it's our pleasure to, I mean, unfortunately, the news wasn't better. I mean, we'd love to have a very positive story here to sell and, and maybe just spin it a little bit differently. Yes, there are definitely concerns, uh, but there's also resiliency. We're seeing people in general are saving, uh, not everyone, but we're seeing people put money into savings or people, we're seeing people strengthen their balance sheet, strengthen their assets a little bit. So there's definitely some positive news here, uh, but there is certainly uh, a story here around concern in, in people's minds. We've been joined by Andrew Ostro, CEO, Policy Me, uh, and the lead behind the entire survey that we just talked about. Um, Andrew, thank you for joining us on the show today. Great. Thanks for having me. We have a very interesting topic to discuss. Let's talk about fitness. Rob, you and I are in different phases in our lives. Mm -hmm. Our clients are in a different phase in their life. And let's kind of paint the picture here. There's yourself with two younger children, very active. You're right. running around chasing them. You're happy that they can walk, but now you're upset that they're running. <laughs> you bet. And so you're chasing them. The amount of time that you get to have to get to work out and be physically fit for your own well-being has been less now than it was before you had children. Fair Absolutely, enough? yeah. Fast forward to where I'm at. My children are a little bit older, getting closer to leaving the nest. I have more time. But I talk to a lot of our clients who are empty nesters and things haven't changed to when they were my age same amount of frequency. And so the difference in the amount of time that they're using to work out or become aware that they're physically uh, active is, hasn't changed. So I'm, the curiosity I have is when, when we say that healthcare is one of the biggest issues that we have, when do we get into more of a viewpoint that physical fitness is a priority? Absolutely. Right, you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, this yeah. Is, so this is gonna be interesting. So I wanted to bring in a guest to talk about something that's very cool. We have uncovered, I think, a gem in this country. And this gem is a business that focuses on training for the 50 plus crowd. Fitness, working out, and, and everything that goes on with that demographic, which is completely different than in your age category or my age category or Dave Popovich's age category. Like they're all, they're all different, right? And so we need to kind of focus on this group because this is where a lot of the biggest concerns for health come up. Right. And so there's no one better to talk about this. And the newest gem in the country, I think, Aaron Bilowitz is the founder and personal trainer of Vintage Fitness. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you. So we, we've kind of teed you up about this gem of the business. Let's start off with what is Vintage Fitness? Sure. So Vintage Fitness has been around for 17 years. And we specialize in fitness for people over 50, although most of our clients are seniors. So most of our clients are between 65, and I think our eldest client right now is 93. And oh, we wow. really focus a lot on, you know, what is your body not letting you do? And what, how can we train your body to get to you to be able to do all the activities that you love? So for some of our younger clients, they want to travel. So we think, okay, well, you know, if you want to travel, you need to be able to climb these stairs. You need, need to be able to walk on uneven ground. You need to be able to get onto a boat, you know, whatever that is. And then for some of our older clients, it's, I want to stay in my home. I want to stay independent. I want to stay connected with the world. And, uh, and so we focus on their goals, a lot of functional kind of strength work. What made you decide to start a business focused on this demographic? 
So for me, and again, 17 years ago, it was a number of things. One is I was training some younger clients and in their 20s and 30s, and their, their goals were more about what their body looked like. Um, so they would say things like, I don't want my thighs to rub together on the beach. And, and that's fine to have that as a goal. I just didn't find that super motivating for me as a trainer. And when I started to work with older clients and they'd say, oh, I just, I'm in such pain in my knee and my hip and it's making it so that I can't, um, you know, go and do all the things that I want to do to get clients to those kind of goals, I found really personally motivating. So that was the reason I started it. And that the practicalities, I had two young kids at the time. And if I was training you, it might be six in the morning or six at night. But if I'm training people that are retired, I could train them at 10 in the morning. So there was some practical reasons I started it as well. Me and hip pain, that sounds like my morning already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was just thinking about this too, because it's uh, the you brought up something that was interesting, Aaron. You said uh, functional fitness, right? And I, I'm probably there right now too, where I'm going. I can just get in enough workouts to feel like I can actively get my kids to the car without pulling a hamstring. There you right? go. There so, you go. <laughs> so I think it is very uh, interesting on the demographic. Um, can you give us a sense on why it's so important for people to incorporate fitness into their lifestyle as they age? It is. It is a really almost a panacea. There, there's like so many benefits and so few detriments. So it will improve your mental health. And we're doing a lot of work with just mental health in terms of how you feel and how up you feel, as well as your brain health. So there's a lot of those benefits, tons and tons of physical benefits that we all know. So your heart health, um, your bone density, your posture, um, the ability to move, do your everyday activities, lift groceries, lift kids, live your life, um, and your stamina, your lung capacity, um, prevention of every disease that you can think about, right? Cancer, heart disease, um, chronic um, disease, uh, dementia, it helps to increase the blood flow to the brain. I mean, I can just keep going on and on. It helps with weight management, stress management. Um, so it's, is so important and the impact can be uh, tremendous. It's just what I say when people retire and they say, oh, well, I'm exercising once a week. I check that box. Think of it like a part-time job. Like now your part-time job is your health and fitness. Like that's the amount. Health Canada says 150 minutes a week for people over 65. So I get people to do the math. You know, this is the more than money show. It's like, okay, well, this, if this is the investment in your health, What's your 150 minutes of activity? And let's map that out over the week. Aaron, earlier, Rob and I were talking about the different phases in people's lives. Rob has younger children, so the, uh, the ability to do 150 minutes in a week become more challenging. As you have older children like I do, they're almost ready to leave the nest. I have more time, so I've, I've gotten into that, that, uh, that rhythm that I can do the 150 minutes. But I find that at some point, and I'm talking to our clients or talking to people that watch and listen to the show, um, it doesn't change. So if you're not doing 150 prior, you're probably not going to do 150 when you retire. And so how, does, how do you find people change their motivation or what is it that gets people from not doing 150 minutes in a week to start doing that or from getting off their couch and getting into the gym? Like... What's that switch that can help them change? Because I find, based on surveys, some of the research that you've shared with us about, you know, one in five only actually 
meet those goals at this point in time uh, at that age demographic. So what, what, what is the, what's the catalyst to make that big impact to change? Different catalysts for different people. Unfortunately, for, for some, it's um, something happens in their life that they, they realize, like I talked to a woman this morning and she's like, I, I can't lift my groceries out of the back of my car anymore. And for her, that was a fear, a scary because she thinks I live alone and, and my husband's not well. I, I need to be able to lift the groceries. So all of a sudden the value of exercise goes up because the impact, you can't live your day-to-day life the way that you want to live your day-to-day life. Um, so sometimes that happens. Sometimes it's a scare from from the doctor. We, we get a lot of people that get, they've been to the doctor and the doctor says you need to exercise more. And they think, well, what does that mean? Like what exercise? What's safe? How much should I be doing? Am I doing it right? And they need someone to help them with accountability. They need someone to show them the right exercises to be doing and to make sure they're doing them correctly so that they're not going to injure themselves. Um, the other thing that often happens, it's an adult child. And we have this a lot where the adult child is calling because they're concerned about their, their older parents. And they kind of spur them and, and encourage them to, to get moving a bit more. That's a good point. Um, like, you know, we have obviously aging parents. I, I would ask you this question too, Aaron. What, what would you tell clients or, or older generation in your demographic that you're looking for, the older, over 50, and how to go from, say, doing some certain things at home to maybe going to a gym where they're getting, you know, better instruction on proper lifting techniques and all that? So... Uh, the transition between home home kind of gym work to to working so we we work in people's homes and there's so many amazing gyms but for us we go we're mobile trainers so we go to their home and we work with them there but for somebody going to their community center um the the mistake that i i see a lot in gyms is that people are worried about the equipment and they don't understand it at the weight training equipment and so they go to the treadmill or they go to the stationary bike if they have bad knees and they put it on the lowest setting and they and they run through and, and that's their gym experience. And there's a lot of benefits to that. You're going to get good blood flow. You're going to get improve your stamina. But what most seniors need to be doing is strength training. So my advice is you take the free gym tour, get someone to show you how to use the equipment be comfortable working with with the weights. If you're uncomfortable because it's um, younger people lifting heavy weights, ask them at the front desk, when is a good time, you know, for when are older people in here? And, uh, and just make yourself, try to get yourself a little bit more comfortable, but try not to just go to the treadmill, put it on the same speed for the same, the same way every day and think, why, am, why aren't things changing? Because you're not really changing your exercise routine. You're keeping it exactly the same every day. Weight train is is really important um, for for everybody but for seniors especially there is so much we can talk about this topic unfortunately we have to pay some bills and go to a commercial break Um, but aaron i want to thank you for joining us today i think what you have to share is great if people want to know more about you your business maybe even how to connect with you how do they find you the website is just vintagefitness.ca so that's probably a good place to start there's one thing about this demographic that's becoming more and more popular and that is play money. Mm-hmm. Play money, and what I mean by that, so let me define it for our listeners and viewers today, is people putting some money aside so they can play in the stock market. Right. So they can trade or invest on the things that they want to do that may not be part of their serious money or their serious investments that are designed for their retirement. 
So the question that always comes up is, how much money can I put aside to play with? And once I do that, what the heck do I do with that money? How do, mm -hmm. what, what's my strategy? Um, is it literally casino money? Do I go and just pick a couple of names because <laughs> I, I heard it at the Tim Hortons, you know my Tim Hortons theory. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Tim Hortons is one of the best places to find out rumors of stocks to buy. People will sit down at a table, they'll have their coffee, their donut, they'll start talking about stocks, and you will hear them at the table next door next to you, and that's your next pick, the of, pick your of the day. That's right. And how many phone calls do we get for those ones? The Tim Hortons picks is what I call them. So there's, you know, how much money do you put aside? What do you, what do you invest into? Or what do you trade in? Or what do you, you know, have fun with? Um, these are questions and concerns. And you had a recent story mm -hmm. of a client that you said, you know what, take this account and go do it yourself. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, managing a whole portfolio yep. right, for the couple. Um, and the individual, she, she had some stocks that were dear to her and that she liked to own and trade in a specific sector on the US side. A little bit more volatile, didn't fit in with our current program or yep. platform. Um, and so I said, listen, if, you, if you're still in, engaged in these and still want to hold them, right, and still want to do some analysis or, or you know, look into them and do a little bit of trading, and if it's not on ours, why don't we take that off and, and go back to a do-it-yourself platform, which there's many of, right? Cheap trading platforms yep. at banks or outside of that, and to be able to do that. But the question came, are you okay with still taking on some of that risk in what you're doing? This is about 10% of the family's savings that they, uh, they've earmarked for retirement. That's correct. Right? So that's the first question. Is 10% enough? Is it the right amount, the right percentage? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Well, I think it comes with more conversation on what that money is actually going to be used for. Right? And in this situation, it came down to there was a lot more pension money to provide for their lifestyle. Gotcha. Right? So this money was looking towards more of the other buckets that we talk about. Yep. Right? On legacy and health. Yep. So then that was the conversation on, okay, is there risk to your health or legacy bucket? Yeah. Because current expenses were covered. Yep. They weren't worried about that. Yeah. So in the conversation, yes, they felt it was okay. Yep. And they didn't need it specifically for legacy. Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think what you're, what you're basically saying is pretty much what the solution to that, the, the number one question for people who want to have a little bit of play money is how much. Mm -hmm. And this is a process that you need to kind of calculate for. There are four major areas, we call them buckets, mm -hmm. that people need to focus on as they go through retirement. Number one, income or cash flow. How are you going to have your day-to-day -day life expenses covered? In, in this example with, with uh, the client, uh, it was primarily pension money from the company they were working at, CPP, old age security. So a lot of their cash flow needs was already protected. Guaranteed. Matt. So they've got that yeah. guaranteed income. Very little do they need on top of that for travel or anything additional. Then we look at the, the growth bucket to replenish that income bucket. Long as you've got that covered, you're good there. The third bucket is healthcare. Is actually doing a health plan to see, you know, what are some of the costs that if you decide to age at home or in a long-term care facility, what are the costs? And do you have the right amount of capital to pay for that mm -hmm. from all of your wealth? 
And then comes the legacy. Now, legacy is passing on assets or a gift to the next generation. And how much do you want to give there? Is it whatever's left over or is there a certain amount or are you trying to you know, re, um, complete a, a vision towards a cause that you want to help? Whatever that, whatever that vision on your legacy is. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point too because I've seen it before too where play money be, may become a charitable giving. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And if there is a gain, right, then the then charity pass gets the, the benefit. There you go. So that's, that's an interesting piece as well. So you, you're trying to look at all these four buckets. Once you've got those four buckets covered, with the one caveat that you're reviewing tax on a regular basis, so you're not paying too much. Right. Whatever's left over, that's called never money. You're never going to need it. Introduction of play at that level, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Whatever percentage of your savings that is, you can go up to that percentage. So in this example, if it's 10% of their entire savings is sufficient and it'll meet, uh, the, all the other goals will be reached based on what they're saving. On 90% of their savings, 10% of their savings can be used to play. Done, no problem. In fact, I encourage it. I encourage investors uh, who, are, who are investing through a money manager to also have a side account if they have never money, they'll never need it. And if they want to. And if they want to, yeah. They right. gotta be engaged and wanting to do you that. You wanna have fun, you don't need yeah. to be up at 3 a.m., right? Doing the research. That's Doing a good research. question. How do you find, like, you know, when people are buying their own investments, their own do-it-yourself accounts, where do they get their research from? Mm -hmm. How well, we mentioned one, right? Tim Hortons is the first place. Tim Hortons, and, and again, but, it's not Tim Hortons, it's coffee shop talk, <laughs> so I'm not gonna, poor Tim Hortons is gonna give me an email saying, how dare you? <laughs> Um, but but it's it's coffee talk shop, right? right. Like it's let's it's, let's just have a conversation with a bunch of people, and then you either overhear it, and stuff like that. But there's right? there's 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 meme stocks, right? There's the flavor of the day social online. media online, right? yeah, yeah. There is uh, it, well, what what are we looking for too? It's not just the stocks. So I'll throw that question back to you. If it's okay. not just stocks, what is play money when you say that? More, are we talking about just stock investing? No. I say you can play with anything. Mm. So it's, it's, let's go to the casino and play with it. Literally, go to the casino. You know I like playing craps. Yep. That's my never money. I'll never need it. So if I lose it all, whatever. If I make it all, I double my money, whatever. Let's just play money. There's cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. There is artwork. Yep. There's coin collections. There's stocks. There's a whole bunch of things you can in invest, quote unquote. Real estate. Real estate. Yeah. Businesses. All that can be with your never money. You'll never need it. You might as well do something that you're going to be engaged in doing. Mm. And I think that's the key thing you're going to be engaged in. A lot of the people that talk to us about this are investing in the stock market. Right. And, and some of them, quite a few of them that we talk to, our clients and, and people that listen to the show, are buying newsletters or just getting the free sample of a newsletter. You got they're it. not even paying for the subscription. <laughs> you got it. And they're they're buying and selling stocks. What are you What are your thoughts about about newsletters and using that to buy and sell stocks for your play money? I, it, it, sometimes it takes the play out of it, in my mind. Yeah. Right. If you're if you're going on someone else's idea, then you're subscribing to specifically their thesis of investment. Yep. Which may be um, a niche of investment, right? Yep. That that might be fine, but whoever is doing that newsletter is also owning that idea. Yeah. Right? So it takes that piece out of, out of investing. And where are the, oh, those ideas come from? 
and what kind of risk can those people that are developing those newsletters take? It's probably a heck of a lot different without knowing who is actually investing through their newsletter. What I find interesting about newsletters or online chat portals or anywhere where you subscribe either literally with money or by giving your information, um, the only way they actually make money is if you're paying for it or you give them your name so they can solicit your name to other companies. Mm -hmm. They do not get paid for being right or wrong. You bet. Right? <laughs> they do not get paid if you believe them or not. They only get paid if you pay for the information and that's it. You're Which is a very interesting model. So what's in it for them should be a thing that, and, and that's when anybody picks up an investment. You buy ABC stock. Where did you get your information from? If it's, I heard it at a coffee shop, well, think about where you're getting your information from. If you're getting it from a meme or a social media, you know, you're, you're, you're going through your feed and, oh, mm -hmm. that's a good stock to buy. TikTok is now giving a lot of uh, uh, stock picks out there. Read you know, it. People who've never even seen a recession in their life are giving out stock picks on TikTok. And you're going to go, that's the person I'm going to believe and invest my, my money with. While they dance. While they dance, yeah. That's, <laughs> usually I'm the one that's dancing on that. <laughs> or you buy a newsletter, Rob, and you go and you know what the benefit or what's the incentive for that newsletter. Nowhere have I heard in the play area where people are doing a financial analysis of the company. Yep. Yeah. I want to buy ABC stock, Faisal, in my play account. What do you think? I go, what's, what's the company about? Well, I don't know. What's the financials? What's their EBITDA? Well, how much multiple are you paying? What's their debt to equity ratio? I don't know. Their whim picks. Their whim picks. Yeah. So the play money is whim. It's casino. Unless you want to make it into an art form. And then when you pick out a piece of artwork as your, with your play money, you're going to spend a lot more time figuring out which piece of artwork than you are going to pick a stock. You bet. It's very interesting. And so the advice that we would give for people who have play money is, is this literally play money that you can lose at all? If the answer is yes, go at it. If the answer is no, we cannot lose at all. Then there has to be some, some sort of research behind it. And that's important. Don't you think? 100%. Now there's research, there's data, there's a proven way of success to bulletproof your retirement. And I think what we need to do and our part of our responsibility to the public is to educate them and inform them on how to bulletproof your retirement. So we have an upcoming seminar in February. Why don't you tell our audience about that? You bet, Faisal. Join us Tuesday, February 22nd at 7 p.m. This will be live online. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register. I want to thank you for joining us on another show of More Than Money on 770 CHQR from Rob and Faisal. Have a great weekend. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodcundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodcundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodcundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund, an investment industry regulatory organization of Canada. 
David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.